0: We won't expound the passage particularly, but we'll use this, this reality that Paul is presenting to the Corinthian church and step from here into what it might mean to sing God's song together. And so these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. It's a fantastic picture um, from Paul to the Corinthians reminding them of their, their shared life together, but with Christ as the head of the body. And this morning, the word I wanted to bring was um, singing God's song. And actually, a bit like the picture of the body having different parts, singing God's song together involves very similar kind of dynamics. Thank you, Keith. So, if I was to ask you what your favorite piece of music is, I don't doubt uh, that we would end up with at least 40, 45 different pieces to choose from, chamber music, symphonies, operas, brass band, jazz, pop, rock, country, soul, R&B, the list goes on and on and on. And it's a it's wonderful to note that each, uh, that we would each choose something different. So this morning, if you're feeling brave, turn to the person next to you and ask them what their favorite piece of music is. If you don't know them, even better. Um, Okay, so um, out of curiosity, did anybody choose the same piece of music as the person sat next to them? No. Fantastic, isn't it? It's just wonderful, and we're all so different. If we were to do a musical breakdown of your favorite piece of music, um, I quite love music. I've been playing the violin since I was a teenager in orchestras and all sorts, um, and so uh, I, I... I love listening to music and finding kind of the different ways artists work with, with music in different contexts. Anyway, if we were to break, this, uh, break your favorite song down, we would find there are, are at least similar ingredients to each song. So the melody, where would a great piece of music, where would a great song be without its melody? Harmonies, those elements of music that weave around the melody to support and enhance it. Sometimes in, uh, imitating the melody line directly, Other times doing something completely different. The second ingredient, structures and forms. Some songs only have a verse that repeats, perhaps like a hymn, uh, has a particular stanza. And others have an introduction, a verse, a chorus, a bridge, an interlude, a chorus to, and an outro, and and everything else you want to possibly put in there. In Dixieland jazz, the only thing they had was a melody line. Everything else for the rest of that piece of music is improvised. One melody line, everything else was improvised. Just incredible, incredible. And then thirdly, moments of rest. If your favorite song contained instruments that played without a pause, I doubt you might like it quite so much. Uh, It might be a bit overwhelming after a while. Uh, After all, it's not everyone's cup of tea, 21st century classical music, that starts and goes for 20 minutes and you get to the end and think, what was that? just a relentless pushing through of sound. As each of these structural ingredients come together through the creative shaping of musicians and singers, so music comes to life and the synergy of harmony is released. Each person playing their part, each person listening to the parts of others, each person drawing closer to the melody so that it can be heard in crystal clear 7.1 surround sound. And it's this illustration of music that we're going to draw from today. You see, the church is much like a gathering of musicians and singers to play a piece of music. The harmony we live in and the music that results arises from these three ingredients um, that we've just listed. And so we're going to use them uh, as we unpack Jesus' invitation to sing God's song with one another. So, First of all, being a worshipping community. If I, if you or I were to form a choir, just imagine that you're all professional musicians and you would like to form a choir starting tomorrow. Um, you would need to gather enthusiastic, like-minded people, wouldn't you? Well, hopefully, otherwise, we've all stood, uh, never mind, I won't say that. Um, <laughs> firstly, uh, as the music is shared around the melody itself, uh, the music is given out to the choir, the melody identified, or perhaps it's discovered for the first time. As a solo, it's beautiful. It can carry its own presence through a room, and, and when it's sung just right, it makes the Hair's on the back of your neck, stand up. But whose melody is it? It's not those who get to sing it, but whose is it? Under copyright law, the answer is obviously the composer, uh, the person that wrote it, and then anyone who receives the rights to perform the music. As Christians, I'd like to suggest that the gateway into singing God's song with one another starts with the composer's melody. For believers, there is a simple truth. The melody belongs to Jesus, the author and pioneer of our faith, who was in the beginning and through him all things have been made. The melody belongs to Jesus. It's his to write and it's his to sing. It's his to adjust and it's his to sustain. Then for the believer is the one who receives the Holy Spirit. We receive the invitation to become heirs and take part in the making of this music but I don't want to suggest that we get to sing Jesus' melody this morning. As the head of the church, it's his to write, it's his to sing, it's his to adjust, and it's his to sustain. We instead are invited to bring harmony and colour through accompanying parts to what he is doing. And so that is what we do. We get to work adding first one harmony part. With that one part, you have a beautiful accompaniment. The church finds its feet, the world can hear more clearly the sound that points back to the original melody then another and another harmonic part line can be added so the music starts to stand up and take on a life of its own the choir gets swollen in its ranks and each of the parts adds greater color because our voices i love this about singing because our voices don't all sound the same the most amazing thing about listening to a professional choir is that if you didn't have 80 different voices it wouldn't sound like that it's because all, they all sound so different. Jesus' melody is now soaring on the heights of the harmonic accompaniment that breaks down walls and it transfers sinners to a place of worship. And this is what this is all about. It's all about forming and being a worshipping community centered on Christ, enabled by the Holy Spirit and pouring out praise and thanks for all Jesus has done for us. Psalm 137 uh, shows the Israelites asking God how they could sing their song in a foreign land. Today, we're perhaps, sometimes, doesn't feel too dissimilar. After all, uh, we're in the world, as the Bible declares, but we're not of the world. And even a worship song I listened to this morning on my way down was singing this very truth. Lord, if I've become too focused on what is this world around me and not on the reality that there is this place called eternity to come. Perhaps have I missed it? A place in eternity where worship is constant and we walk with our Lord Jesus face to face. Our nation is perhaps more spiritually barren today than it has been for a while. Yes, we do see lots of good things happening. I don't want to take that away. But God seeks faith, not just Things. So being a worshiping community gathered around the melody of Christ is the place that we see harmony arising because it is there that John 17 22 and 23 comes to life. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Singing God's song is firstly about singing uh, the song of Jesus together in a dry and weary land where there is at times little water. So we boldly, courageously, confidently, we check our hearts, examine (laughs) what we may be thinking and feeling. Because it's no use attempting to sing our song on our own. We sing with Jesus. How do we do this? Well, through hungry worship, committing to being discipled, pastorally loving one another, and celebrating things like missional endeavor. The melody of Jesus and our harmonies as heirs against the relief of a broken and a hurting world must surely, surely draw the attention of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I would like his attention more than ever before, the more time goes by. If faith can move mountains, let the mountains move through the harmony of the people of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. The interesting thing about forming a choir is that there are some pieces of music that actually require two or three choirs, and occasionally one or two that even require more than that. Well, how does that work, you may well ask? Well, the music starts to get richer, it starts to get fuller, it starts to be expanded in ways that you maybe couldn't do with just one traditional format of soprano, alto, tenor and bass. It can be a little more complicated, perhaps, as well. In music, there's this term called polytonal. And this means that there are two key signatures working, taking place in the same song. So, just imagine the guitarists are playing in the key of G and the piano's in the key of D and yet it works, <laughs> and yet it works, it works, that's the thing, it works uh, and it, as it comes together, it's a bit like thinking, if thinking, let's think of it in terms of food, think of your favourite dish and then think of a strange alternative that isn't your favourite dish and then put them together on the same plate. After, once we've got over the uh, strange offence of you would surely you'd never mix a chicken tikka with Hunter's Chicken Oliver, no, I wouldn't. But strangely, it's like it works. That's what this polytonal thing sound is about. So two different sounds in one piece of music, no less musical, and it's deeper, and it's richer, um, most certainly. Uh, and this is not dissimilar to our diversity in gifts. We each have sounds at times that we prefer. Our brains are predisposed to enjoy some music better more than others, um, more music tastes more than others. Just remember the answers that the person sat next to you gave you in response to what is your favorite song. And that just alone shows us that we all like different things. So which spiritual gifts do you connect with most easily? What style of worship, perhaps, do you prefer? These are all questions that remind us that we are polytonal as the people of God. But then there's another term called polyrhythmic. Uh, and this means that there are two time signatures in the same piece of music. So imagine someone in the corner over here is doing a waltz, and someone in th- at the front here is doing a, a, a two-step or a something that's in four-four. Because I'm not a dancer, and I don't really just run out of this illustration in my in my mind's eye. But anyway, what we'll do is we'll, we'll test this. <laughs> oh, good, you're getting you're getting to know me a little bit. We'll test this. So over here, if it's all right. You're you're the waltz team. Don't worry, no one's going to need to stand up to dance. Uh, so you're the waltz team. So I would like you to just clap with me a very slow, a very slow three. What, what speech should we do? Uh, one, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, one. That's it. Resist the temptation to speed up. That's it. it always happens. Three, Brilliant. So you're the three section. Keep going. Keep going. Doing a great job. And over here, you're the two section. So you're the Blue Danube. And you're the Rudetsky March, okay? Uh, so um, let, let me just tune in with their rhythm, a minute. Two, three, so it goes one, two, 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 one, two. Very good, very good, all right, very good, everyone finish, stop, thank you, brilliant. Actually, that was really impressive, that was very good. Um, you've done that so well. Um, and so. <laughs> Uh, and, so, and so we can see this kind of polyrhythmic, uh, polyrhythmic dynamic taking place. And, of course, we could add other, other rhythms over the top there as well. So polyrhythmic, what rhythms were you brought up listening to? If polytonal music represents the things that we might each prefer or the, spiritual gifts, uh, poly, uh, the gifts we connect with, polyrhythmic music suggests the things that we've been raised to esteem. So singing God's song is about blending and fusing together these sounds in such a way that the melody of Jesus is heard through each of us. Sometimes it's one of the hardest things to do to accept the things that that others love whilst acknowledging that they don't love our preferred option. I drive in my car and I like to try and listen to Classic FM or Radio 3 and my children sit in the back listening to programs that have wailing sirens and I keep freaking out thinking that someone's going to a police cars behind me and I'm not speeding. Um, no, generally not speeding. Um, but it just it's this kind of the things that we like, the things that we prefer, the accepting that reality that others like different things. And so we blend. We each have to blend because we're different. But we're incredibly adaptable. That's the most amazing thing. In your own mind this morning, remind yourself that you are incredibly adaptable. To make all this happen, we celebrate the diversity of gifts that God has given us by creating opportunities for them to shine. You see, differences are not destructive. Homogeneity is. Psalm 133, as we read at the start of our service, uh, praises God for the unity that can exist among his people, but it doesn't say we're all trying to look like our neighbor. So differences are not destructive. Differences are not obstacles. Stubbornness is. In Philippians, on more than one occasion, Paul implores with the believers to have a Christ-like mindedness, which comes from love and not a place of selfishness. To love is to embrace the other, even when um, there are differences, and for both, both to submit to Christ. Selfishness and stubbornness By contrast, build up defenses around differences, so we must resolve to agree in Christ. Therefore, singing God's song, living in harmony together, is about blessing, not blocking the people of God, so that the Holy Spirit can move. In all our differences gathered together around the melody of Jesus, let's give each other a step up, and a step towards heaven as we be a community of worship. They say that the greatest music of all time rises and falls on these little black squiggles on the screen behind me called rests. It can be amusing at times to watch an orchestra and uh, and their conductors, especially on the very, very rare occasion where the conductor goes off piste. They're so enjoying the music and waving their arms around that the orchestra's gone, I've got no idea what you're doing, so follow the leader, um, sorry. Uh, It's sometimes, it doesn't happen very often, but sometimes it does. And at this point, the conductor might try to motion to the choir, to the orchestra, how to get back together. Come on, everyone, try and follow me. But it's going to take a bar or so before that might even begin to happen because the orchestra has already realized that the conductor's somewhere else and they're looking to uh, to the leader in the orchestra. They're already trying to fix the problem. This is not the case with a musical rest. When the small black squiggle up on that screen behind me appears in the music, it has the power to stop an entire orchestra, an entire choir in their tracks instantly. After all, no one wants to be the one who plays or sings the duff note in the silence. I've been there, narrowly avoided it by the skin of my teeth. My desk partner didn't, Never mind. So rests are incredible in what they bring to the choir and to the orchestra, to the band, to the jazz group, to whatever style of music you like. They punctuate the noise. They distill all the parts down to one and perhaps uh, perhaps none by stopping what is unnecessary. They tune your mind as the listener to the new melody, the new sound that the composer wants you to hear next. They're like punctuation marks in grammar. Four simple words. You may have come across this phrase before. But what are they talking about? Are they talking about a vegan? eats shoots and leaves, like salads and things like that? Are they talking about a panda? Eats bamboo shoots and then leaves the area. Or a footballer? Eats food, shoots goals, and then leaves on the training pitch. The interpretation you bring to the context is dependent upon the punctuation to be included in these four words. And so it is with song and singing God's song. The interpretation of the sounds and the way the melody is played is dependent upon the placing of rests. We must never underestimate the power of silence. We have to stop, and we have to listen. As the rests bring change, we can't just plow through them because, well, like that piece of music, like that duff note, like the thing that everyone in the audience goes, it was you. Uh, We don't want to plow through them Because they bring a shape to us. So stopping to listen is about three things. Stopping to listen to Jesus through prayer and praise. Daniel in the Bible so often stops to pray and listen. He's a great example of this. David, a man after God's own heart, praises God in all manner of situations. Sometimes we'll be silent sometimes our listening will only be unlocked after we've pursued god with 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 passion and i use that word in the original way it was meant not this modern day somewhat emotional expression but in that deep heartfelt commitment to pursue pursuing god with heart and fervor secondly we stop to listen to each other we're baptists and we do church governance with us with the Holy Spirit, speaking to our spirits and our ears before we use our mouths. And thirdly, stopping to listen its about not listening to yourself. Believe it or not, most of us already know what we think. And with this being the case, listening becomes about absorbing and correctly discerning what the other is saying. So today, I'm not going to ask you how, how deep is your love, or are you living on a prayer, or if you could say to the Lord, you raise me up, but how big are your ears? Now, don't turn to the other person next to you to check. That's just rude. That's rude. We don't do that. Um, how are your spiritual ears? The bigger, the better, without doubt. Singing God's song is therefore, it's about punctuating the flows of life and church with the rests that Jesus has included in his melody line. Stopping to listen. The world is an ever-developing, ever-changing, ever-moving place. And the power of silence is perhaps a gift that many today overlook. Come, let us stop and listen to Christ together. One another, and not simply ourselves. Plowing through rests, it, it alters the melody. It takes away that dynamic shape that it has. And it isn't ours to alter. It's Jesus's. And so we're back to Jesus. Singing God's song together is firstly about being a worshipping community. Drawn to the melody of Christ and taking our place as contributing parts. He is the only one who can save. So why try to exchange his music? Then as a worshipping community, we celebrate the diverse gifts that God has given to us and come together to enrich the sound of music. Enriched further than we can imagine. The word differences is not negative in the Christian faith. It's an invitation to love more deeply. And we take time to rest, to grow bigger ears to pray, to praise and to meet as one body, so that together we can stop to listen. There's such an incredible beauty in silence sometimes, because it's there that God whispers his welcome. God whispers and we welcome. Just imagine being in a desert, or on a boat out at sea, or in up in the mountains in the Alps, sitting on a chairlift on your own, and there's no one with you. Yes, of course, it's perfectly safe. Silence, just incredible silence. And we don't have to go far in the Bible to find that it was in those places where God spoke most audibly to Elijah, um, as to others. There is, by God's design, an innate beauty that sings across the world as God's people sing together, uh, sing God's song together. Of course, it isn't straightforward, it isn't simple, and sometimes it's not always easy. We're polytonal. We're polyrhythmic. And in that place of grace, where the people of God sing the melody of Jesus in a sun-scorched land, we will be, we will be like a well-watered garden. We absolutely will. Like a spring whose waters never fail. Because we step into the melody of God's song. And we sing it. And we bring him our harmonies, we bring him everything that we have, to lay, them, lay it all at his feet and say, Lord Jesus, sing your song, that we might accompany you in your mission. Amen. I wanted to just take a, a couple of minutes this morning to leave a little bit of space, just to perhaps do business with God.